boop, 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 boop. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Welcome to Are They Drunk in There with Emily and Christina. Yes. Woohoo. Yeah. What is today's episode? Well, today we are going to be talking about yogurt. And just in case you didn't know, this is a, uh, a little bit of wine, a little bit of food, a lot of bit of laughter, maybe. Okay, maybe a lot of bit of wine. Yeah. What are you yeah. drinking tonight? <laughs> Uh, this week I have Novelty Hill Cabernet Sauvignon. Is that how you say that? Sauvignon? I feel that like sounds like something that... mom would say. And I'm like, in my mind, she pronounces everything correctly. <laughs> See, I feel like every time I say it, though, you know, remember that SNL skit that was like, all right, Yvonne, Yvonne, oh, that's a fancy name. You know that skit? <laughs> Do you remember that? Or maybe no. I think it was. Maybe it was SNL, maybe it was like all that or something. But anyway, I'm drinking a Cab Sav. That's what I'm going to refer to it. From Columbia Valley, which is like local here to the Pacific Northwest out here. And it's a 2017. It was kind of pricey from what I remember. I want to say it was like $30. <gasps> That's pretty pricey. Mim yeah. got me a wine that was like, I picked it out online and we drank it the other night. And I was like, mm, it's so good. And then she was like, it was $50. And I was like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, like, no wonder it was so good. Yeah, it was really good, though. Sometimes you get, like, more expensive wines, and they're not that good, but that one was, oh, it was so good. But, okay, yeah, so me, I am having a Italian wine, which I feel like last time I talked about how much I love Italian wines, but mm. this one is an Apostamento, which is, like, a table wine. I think it's a combination mm. of a lot of of a lot of grapes, and maybe next time I should look into it. But what I really like about this wine is that it has paper on the outside of the bottle, which I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And I mean, explain yourself like, OK, so the bottle itself is covered in like fancy paper here. I'll show you what it looks so like. like tissue paper. Oh, let me try and describe this. OK, so it, it looks like a printed piece of computer paper but like fancy and it's like cinched at the top I guess and it's got like a wax seal that's when you know it's fancy yeah yeah so it is really good like it's smooth it's like a good balance of sweet and tangy and we had it with uh roast pork tonight that I made and I was like man this is this is my jam oh did you make your um oh my microphone is falling down slowly but surely um, so if I sound like I'm fading away, uh, <laughs> oh no, don't fade away. Um, back. <laughs> uh, what was, oh, did you make your, your, uh, slow cooker pork recipe? Remember you told me that one with the apples? Uh, that was Ooh, so good. Yeah, I make those all the time, but no, tonight I'm, I went fancy because you know how mom has everything in her fridge. <laughs> I made a pork loin roast because she's like, well, there's a pork roast in there. And of course, me thinking that, you know, mom, us growing up, it was pork tenderloin. And pork I was like, tenderloin. exactly. But I looked in the fridge forever for like a dark pork, like piece of meat. And I'm like looking around. I see this like lighter one. And I'm like, oh, that's not it. And I go outside to the, oh, yes. And they have an outside fridge. So I went out to the outside fridge and it wasn't there. And I was like, I don't know. It must be this thing. So I just got the other one out and it was like a pork loin roast, which I wasn't aware of. But anyway, long story short, 
it was really good. I made a honey mustard sauce with like a chanterelle mushrooms in it and my favorite roasted potato recipe, which eventually we will talk about, which I sent to Emily to make before, but they're like Greek potatoes. But like I have made the recipe my own and every single time I make it like a little different, but the acid amount is always the same. Anyway, it was really good. Okay, but back to yogurt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yogurt. (laughs) Okay, so today's episode, which I'm sure you haven't gathered yet, is about yogurt, other than that little tidbit that we talked about at the beginning. (laughs) And in case you didn't know, I'm a big fan of yogurt. I used to work in the dairy industry, so I love yogurt, love everything about it, except for some things, which we'll probably touch on in a little bit. Well, let's get started with what is yogurt? Oh, did I put that in the outline? You sure did, but this time I'm going to let you handle it. (laughs) Okay, so what are the key components of yogurt? Literally the easiest thing, but the most complicated. It is dairy, likely a liquid dairy, plus cultures. And that's it. That's how you make yogurt. But to go into more detail, like... There's a lot of complicated things that go into making yogurt. So to make yogurt, you have to have your milk component, which can be a lot of things. But a lot of times people just like myself dump a whole thing of milk and you cook the milk to a certain temperature. And the longer you hold the temperature, the better because you get better structure. And we can talk about that a little bit more later. But so you cook the milk, then you cool the milk and then you put the cultures in and you let it sit at this kind of semi-warm temperature for however long until you get it to the tart taste you like and then you cool it it's actually a pretty simple process but there's a lot of complicated things in that process that really make yogurt what it is okay so i've never made yogurt before but i have made pudding what is the difference? Is it just the eggs? So egg and um, pudding and yogurt are different in that the pudding itself has a lot more ingredients to make its structure. So that's like your egg component, any additional like stabilizer you might use, like some puddings use gelatin. With yogurt, it's a really clean type of food. So if you're making yogurt at home, you only need two ingredients to make it. And that's because of the complex proteins that are in dairy products. So what's really cool about dairy is you have your whey proteins and your casein proteins. And when you make yogurt, they interact to make what is called a gel structure. So when you heat all your proteins, like I talked about last or on our brownie episode, the proteins denature. So Like with some of the acidified proteins, you get that. But like when you heat your whey proteins, they open up kind of like what we talked about before and expose some of their bonding sites. So what that does is it allows for water binding. So you get like a firm gel. So kind of like, you know how when you make jello and at first it's like really, really thin, you can like pour it out, but then you put it in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You put it in the fridge and it's like firm. So you're making a gel, but in a much more complicated way because uh, you add this culture. And what does the culture do? It grows and grows and grows and grows. 
and it creates acid. And the acid allows for the proteins to kind of find each other and form a really nice gel structure. And that's what makes your yogurt cuttable and spoonable and all that other kind of fun stuff. But it's only made with two ingredients, which is really cool. Well, technically three, if you count the two types of culture you need to make yogurt. So back up a little bit. What is a culture? Oh, Oh, good point. So cultures are bacteria. Yes, I know. Most of the time we think, especially right now in the COVID days, like we don't want any bacteria. Everything needs to be clean. But no, these are like... Get away! (laughs) These are like good for you bacteria. So to make yogurt, you need two specific types of culture. That is lactobacillus bulgaricus and streptococcus thermophilus. There are different types that you can use as well in combination with those. And those go into your probiotic strains that we can kind of touch on a little bit later. But those two, by law, according to the FDA, need to be in your yogurt to be called a quote unquote yogurt. Okay. So um, you mentioned that this is like a CFR definition, though. What's a, what is CFR? What is that? Oh, that is the Code of Federal Regulations. So that is set by the FDA for standard of identity product. That means when you go to the store and you look at yogurt, it that is what is in there. It is some sort of dairy and some sort of culture. And then, of course, there's some other ingredients that you can look up if you want. But there is dairy and culture in your product to make that product. Interesting. In grocery stores, I see sometimes they'll have whole milk yogurt, skim milk yogurt, like blah, blah, blah yogurt before we even get to like the plant based. So is that also like considered as part of like the CFR, like the FDA stuff or like is whole milk yogurt like the only the only real yogurt? Yeah, no, great question, because actually in the CFR, there's different types of yogurt defined. So you have your yogurt, which is basically like milk. So when you look at milk in the CFR, that means that you have to have a certain percent of fat, which for this is 3.25% fat, and you have to have 8.25% milk solids. And that is yogurt. Yogurt is made with milk. And That is what you need to have to have a quote-unquote yogurt. Now, there are also two other ones. So that is low-fat yogurt and non-fat yogurt. So non-fat yogurt can be made with skim milk. And in that case, you want to make sure that per serving, you can have less than half a percent of fat, I believe. I would have to dive into that to make sure, but I'm 90% sure you have to have less than a half a percent of fat per serving, but I will circle back on that one. So basically real yogurt, you have to use whole milk, but if you wanted to use like skim milk or um, like 2%, you could make your own at home yogurt and still call it yogurt. It would just be like low fat or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you can't sell it at the store as just plain whole milk yogurt or anything like that, but you can absolutely call it yogurt. And it's not that it's not called yogurt. It's just, it's called non-fat yogurt or low fat yogurt by standard of identity. So, okay. That's cool. Can you walk me through, uh, you've made homemade yogurt before, right? Yep. Absolutely. How'd you do it? 
Um, okay, for me being myself, I uh, I went to my absolute favorite dairy farm, Costco, and bought myself some already pasteurized and homogenized milk. So typically when yogurt's made, they'll make it from fresh raw milk. But me, I'm like, well, I don't really have a farm now that I live in Florida, which last episode I lived in Wisconsin. But you know how it Hold goes. on. Did you have a farm in Wisconsin? I mean, we had cows in our backyard. I guess I could have ran out there and tried to milk them. I don't know. But anyway... Yeah, so a lot of the places will use raw milk. So what does raw milk mean? That is when it comes like basically directly out of the cow. They'll pack it into one of those milk tanks that you see on the road sometimes and bring it to a plant to be processed. But me, I'm like, well, I'm not going to go milk a cow. First of all, we all know that I am not very outdoorsy or (laughs) I just I prefer my bougie-ness so I'm gonna keep with it and I'm gonna buy that milk from my favorite dairy farm Costco okay so this milk is what we call homogenized so that means that they sent it through a system to get all the fat particles so you know you have like your cream and your skim milk, which is what typically like you can have for different types of milk and they blast it all together so that it doesn't separate. And so I take that milk and I'll put it in my um, instant pot, which is my favorite way to make yogurt, just because honestly, it is the least that you have to worry about. And for me, I'm like, great, this is great. Okay, so I put it in my instant pot and I heat it up. And the reason you heat it up is because, again, like I said earlier, you denature those proteins. And honestly, so some yogurt recipes that I've done research on online say, oh, you just have to heat it to a certain point. But you want to heat it and hold it for, I would say, uh, for me, I hold it for about five minutes. But that's because I really want my yogurt to be a little bit thicker. You can hold it for less time. And your yogurt will be thinner because you'll have less of those proteins denatured. And you can experiment with whatever you like. Then I will cool it down in a big bowl of ice to get it to a good yogurt temperature for culture. So that can be anywhere from some people like to use 112. For me, my preferred temperature for culturing yogurt is about 108 degrees Fahrenheit. The reason that I choose that temperature a lot of times is because it favors both of those organisms. So um, one of those organisms is happier at like the 110 and the other one is a little happier at the 105. So if you go right around the middle, you get a good combination of the two. Leave it there for as long as you like. But typically for me, it's about, mm, I would say, six or seven hours. Some people really like theirs tart. And you can just like leave it for 12, but less time will give you less tartness. More time will give you more tartness. And then you just take it out of there and you cool it down and you got some yogurt. So when you say that one of them is happier at like a lower temperature than what you're heating it at, right? Like you said, typically people say like 112, you're saying 108. Are you, you don't cause any issues with that bacteria that prefers the lower temperature, having it at that 108, 112 number? 
Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you asked because I think the wine is getting to my head. But the number one reason that you heat your milk (laughs) is to kill off all the bad bacteria. So because you're holding it for that long of a time, uh, there's a lot of chances for you to get contamination. So that's um, why when I do make yogurt, I make sure that my containers are very clean by using like a sanitized process. But like number one reason for you to heat your milk and that's why when they take it into the plants or make use raw milk they have to go through a specific heating process to get rid of uh um any of your e coli which yes does sometimes come in in raw milk um and any other types of bad bacteria you can get rid of those with the pasteurization process so that is kind of what you're doing at home But when you buy milk from the store, it is already pasteurized. And then to your point, you hold it at a certain temperature to allow those good bacteria to grow. And different types of bacteria will help with the different amount of structure that you get. So some bacteria make these things called exopolysaccharides. And from our last episode, we talked about how um there's different types of polysaccharides well i think i touched on it very briefly but polysaccharides are like really big molecules and what they do is they basically provide some texture function so they'll give you if you have a lot of them sometimes they'll give you what people call snotty yogurt so when you pick it up oh it kind of yep it's exactly what you would think you pick it up and it's <laughs> sticks all together. So that means that your yogurt culture is an exo um, polysaccharide producer. So that means like maybe if you didn't like the texture and it's a little snotty, that's what happened there. Ew. And then you just got to try again. Exactly. You can try a different culture from a different company or honestly, you can try a different temperature. So a lot of times for me, what I found if I do it a little hotter that allows for less of that to happen because it will reach the um, pH that I'm looking for, which is that acidity level faster. So if I'm a home cook and like I want to make my own yogurt, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I've got I've got my milk that I bought from the store, and I've got my um, cultures which I bought from Amazon, maybe. Or my favorite thing to do is to take a big slap of yogurt from a different container and put it in there. Ideally, again, with it being a system that you want to have clean, it's best to pull it from a closed container. So buy a closed container of FIA or a closed small container, like a cup size. So one of those 5.3 ounce cups and just pour it in your yogurt. And honestly, that bacteria will start right back up. Okay. So I am I'm at the store, I get, you know, a cup of yogurt if I want to do that way. Or, you know, I've got my online order of cultures or something coming from who knows where. Amazon definitely has some. I have looked into it. Okay. Amazon.com. As usual, we are not sponsored by Amazon. It would be great. I wish we were. I wish we were. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I'm at the store. I get my cup of yogurt and I have my what gallon of milk maybe uh whole fat milk because i want to make the real yogurt that's right you do (laughs) i go home and i do i heat up my milk 
before I put the coulters in or do I put the coulters in and then heat up like everything together and mix it up? Yeah, great question. Um, so you want to heat up your milk first to get rid of any bad bacteria. And then you put your cultures in to let them grow. So you have to cool them down to that temperature. So when you heat up your milk, you want to get to basically almost boiling. So that's like your 200, 212. Hold it for a couple of minutes at those temperatures. And then you have to cool it back down, which is the really annoying part about making yogurt uh, in your Instant Pot. So what I do is I... I just make this big bowl of ice and I stick my basically heated milk in there and I stick my thermometer in there and I make my husband hold the thermometer while I stir it. And I have to say, <laughs> is it there yet? Is it there yet? Yeah. So <laughs> Many, so that's what we do at home. And then you put your bacteria in there and allow it to grow at those optimal temperatures. So that was a really good question because I feel like maybe I, I was definitely unclear at the beginning, but yes. Gotcha. And I have to tell you, I have milked a cow before. I don't know if you know this. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> this is complete news to me. How is that? So for those of you who don't know, Christina and I are sisters, but um, we've, uh, we're, you know, in our grown lives and we've done things and not we've been done things. That sounds bad. We've done things like milked cows. Um, I have not done things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I um, had the opportunity to go to Costa Rica and our homestead was lucky enough to like have a cow. And apparently, yeah, they like they milked their own cow every day. And while we were there, they were like, do you want to milk the cow? And I say I milked the cow, but like I attempted to milk the cow. It's like pretty hard to do. You have to like pull on the udder. Let me tell you. I mean, I don't want to tell you because it's like a process, but basically like I speak enough Spanish to get by, but I do not understand the Spanish words that you need to understand to like know how to like understand how to milk this cow. And so he's like trying to show me and the other girls are like attempting to, I think there was an attempt that was made. Good for you. I mean, I would have been like, it smells bad. Uh, but one day, one day I'll have a homestead. Maybe we'll see. Okay. Well, I will not milk your cow. You'll have to do that yourself. Remember (laughs) you sent me those pictures of those baby sheep and you were like, you got to get two of these and name them poof and floof. I do remember that. Oh man. They were pretty cute though. Yeah. No, no cow milking for me. A part of my like on what we call onboarding in the dairy industry was they took us to this farm and there was like the birth of a cow and they were like this never happens this is so great we're so happy to show you and I was like I'm gonna throw up like please don't show me this anymore (laughs) they were everybody was so excited and I was like no thank you no thank you and also it smells bad can we leave now Okay, but that is not a that is not a hit on the dairy industry. Honestly, I love yogurt. I love everything about dairy. I have milk in my coffee every day. I just personally am bougie. I admire all the work that you guys do, but I will never do it myself. So you guys keep doing what you're doing and I will keep drinking your product and eating your byproducts, I guess, which are I don't know, I guess not byproducts because cheese. Cheese. Yeah. All of it. So now that that tangent has run its course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So back to yogurt. 
So as we normally kind of get to in this podcast, uh, talking about kind of like plant-based options and um, vegetarian options, is non-dairy yogurt yogurt? So again, that circles back to what we kind of talked about at the beginning of the podcast, where you think like, oh, what is yogurt? And according to the FDA, yogurt must have dairy and two types of culture in them. So being non-dairy, quote unquote, it's not technically yogurt. So a lot of times when you look at these um, products that are offered in the dairy case, they'll say cultured something or other. So like yogurt or a yogurt type or things like that and that means that like they can't technically call it a yogurt but you can ferment mostly basically if you have the right culture anything right so like I say anything but that's probably like fermented Oreos coming at you hot I mean I feel (laughs) like you could ferment Oreos I'm not saying it would (laughs) result in anything good but like again it's like what do you want to make out of it Right. So the interesting thing, though, is that dairy forms its own gel structure, whereas with some of these plant based proteins, you have to add a lot of alternate ingredients to get what you're looking for that dairy already has by itself. So like what I said before, where the dairy products are just two ingredients, it's cultures and whatever kind of milk that you want to put in there with these plant based products, you can make something like that. But it's not the same. It's not going to come off of the plant. Like you can't just chop the oat off the plant, put some culture in there and hope that it's going to work. So with dairy, you can literally take that thing out of the cow, heat it up, put some culture in there, and then you got yogurt. Whereas with like an oat product, you're grinding it down, you're basically watering it down, you're taking it out, you're adding some stabilizer to get the same type of effect that you would with just plain dairy and cultures. So I don't know. I really, I, so some of these plant-based proteins are really cool though, because you can do a couple of combinations. So you have like your pea proteins and you have your almond and cashew And what is different about them is like, if you think about a seed, the proteins or the seeds are really, really small, right? Because all they do is make plants. So if you look at the size of a plant and the size of a cow, they're completely different, right? So like (laughs) the protein structures are completely different from a pea to a cow. And so there's a lot of different techniques that have been applied to these types of proteins to make them capable of performing similar functions to that of dairy but we're still in the development phase within the industry to get something that's at least similar to that of dairy which basically has very minimal processing as is. But the bacterias are still there, right? Like, are the probiotics still available when I go to the store and I get, like, the plant-based yogurts, like your cashew yogurt, your almond milk yogurt, like, all that stuff? Or is it one of those things where it's more of, like, a marketing thing? Good question. I am not a 100% expert on culture. I, I know a lot about yogurt. But, like, so let's make sure that we 
we make a distinction here because I think that this is something that like consumers in general don't understand. So probiotics refer to a specific claim that have to do that have complete medical backing. Like this specific culture will result in something, right? And I will do more research on a different episode when we talk a little bit more about the um, fermenting in general. But like for this episode, a lot of times with yogurt, we're thinking of live and active cultures. So what does live and active cultures mean? That means that there's still viable organisms when you eat that yogurt. So, so that means at a specific time, distinguished by what we call a shelf life, meaning how long it can be on the shelf before we throw it away or it has that little code date on it, um, that it has a specific amount of quote unquote live and active culture. So they are still alive. They're still working for you. You eat it. They're still there. So those in yogurt have to be the lactobacillus and the streptococcus thermophilus that we talked about before. So you need to have specifically 1 billion of one specific type of culture to call it probiotic because by the time it makes it through your system, that is what you need for it to actually work. Again, with yogurt, these are um, lactic acid bacteria. So lactic acid is from lactose. And what does lactose come from? Milk. So if you don't have milk in your product, these two cultures are probably not going to grow in the same way. So with these plant-based yogurts, there have been a lot of developments with big culture houses into different types and more vegan-based cultures. But I think the, from my understanding, is that there's still some work to be done there. Um, you will get an additional amount of cultures, but I wouldn't necessarily call them probiotic. So they... They provide some live culture benefit, but maybe not so much probiotic. But I'll have to do some more research for our next episode for that. But definitely a good amount of live and active because I believe at the end of like your shelf and your code date, you have to have like 10 to the seventh amount of culture to be considered live and active, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's a lot of culture. <laughs> I would also like to say that I am on my possibly third glass of wine. Third glass of wine. Third glass of wine. Ta-da! I mean, I'm not really sure because these glasses that mom poured are like a little bit more bully than I'm used to. So I'm like, I think I feel like I might also be on my third glass of wine, but it's not 100% sure. So same i mean i did the whole like you finish half of it and then you refill it and then you finish half of it and then you refill it (laughs) same okay cool well have you tried any of these like non-dairy yogurts yourself i have tried definitely the so delicious and then i believe it's the forager cashew milk 
when I put them in a smoothie, awesome, great. Makes it creamy alongside the banana. Like if you're a banana hater, then you can, uh, you know, add yogurt to your morning smoothie. Uh, usually we'll put in like uh, frozen berries, a banana or yogurt and or yogurt, um, spinach, chia seeds, sometimes flaxseed meal and some milk or water. And I'll kind of spin that up for our breakfast. But I will say in a smoothie, it's fine. By itself, I would not eat it. However, however, okay. But, like, I also wouldn't eat, like, regular dairy milk by itself. Like, there needs to be some kind of flavor. Like, peach or give me, like, some kind of berry yogurt. Like, I'm not going to eat any kind of, like, plain yogurt. Did you have to do that Mm -hmm. for your job? I feel like you probably did. I love plain yogurt. I have to be honest. (laughs) Like, I love it. I will eat... Like, okay, so, like, I will drink Lifeway Kefir, which is probably one of the most sour out of the bottle, like, straight up, like, the the (laughs) half-liter bottle. I'm, like, yum, love it. But I think it's part of, like, my my old job where I was, like, oh, man, I try all this, like, sweet stuff all day, and I don't actually eat a ton of sugar other than, you know, my alcohol, which I love me some wine, but, like, I don't have a lot of sweet stuff all day. So for me, like plain yogurt, oh my God, it's so good. But I I definitely would say it's an acquired taste. And then, oh, so like one thing I feel like we didn't even talk about is like there's so many types of yogurt, right? So you have your your yogurt that are like the super sweets and all those other kind of really like flavored high flavored and then you have like your greek yogurts and your fayes of the world which are also greek but then you also have like the plain and the drinkable yogurts and they're all made completely differently right wait hold on so i'm gonna stop you there what is drinkable yogurt drinkable yogurt means that it actually is a yogurt but you can like basically pour it down your throat right so like you open cool. that bo- you open that bottle and you're like, mm, let me take a sipsy of this. And I mean, that's what I feel like about wine. But you know, I mean, some people are really that way about yogurt. I mean, sometimes I am that way about Keith. Wait, wait, wait. So, so for us '90s kids, does that include Gogurt? <laughs> Gogurt's <laughs> a completely different bear. So that's like a a typical like spoonable yogurt. So I would say that that's kind of like a. I don't know. So, like, if you put that yogurt on a spoon, it would still stay there. Whereas, like, uh, a drinkable type yogurt. So, now, I think Chobani just came out with, like, this drinkable yogurt in, like, a bottle where if you shake it, it still pours. It looks like basically milk on a spoon. And that is what I would personally call a drinkable yogurt. Whereas... Um, like a gogurt would still like be a dollop on a spoon, kind of like a sour cream or something like that. But I mean, good question. So I make a quote unquote drinkable yogurt at home. And to do that, what I do is I pour once I'm done with like my finished yogurt. So like I told you, you heat it up, you culture it for X amount of time and then you cool it down. Then once it's cool, what I do is I basically blend it up in a blender. And after that, it's pretty drinkable. Like you can pour it, you can do all these things. But then again, so I don't add any 
stabilizers. So that would be like your gums or your cornstarch or anything like that to my yogurt. So with that, what I'm doing is I'm kind of breaking up the gel structure that the yogurt forms. And so when I go to pour it out again, it's not going to be like that firm gel. And so it's definitely drinkable, kind of similar to milk, but a little bit thicker, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think um, that's interesting. I I will say that like I tried kefir for a while, and it's hmm. very acidic, right? So if you're if you're talking about the Lifeway brand, that's kind of like what they. It's kind of like for me, I would say Siggy's is also very acidic, and that's what they've made their name off of, right? So Lifeway brand is very acidic, and I love it. I'm like please give me more. I will drink the heck out of it. But also it's cool. So I would say like Lifeway is one of those products that I feel like when they claim that they have X amount of cultures in there, it's really interesting because in order for them to claim that they have to have that amount of cultures in there, at least at time of pack, which means like when they put it in the bottle. Okay. So plain yogurt you talked about a little bit drinkable yogurt, Greek yogurt. They all ha- kind of have like their own shtick, if you will. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, Greek yogurt for a second because, so I, I as some of you may know, um, I do live in Seattle and we are hardcore fans of Elenos Greek yogurt. They are absolutely incredible. My favorite flavor is Marion Berry, which is interesting. I'm pretty sure it's just a blackberry, but we call it yep. Marion Berry here. Because it's from a specific area. Okay, thank you. Because living here, I still didn't know the answer to that until just now. Uh, but yeah, Mary and Berry is my favorite, followed closely by lemon, or is it lemon, lemon crumb, lemon pie, something? Is it lemon curd? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it is lemon curd. Oh, it's so delicious. Sometimes I get chai, though, if I'm at Pike Place Market. Everyone who hasn't been to Seattle, if you're out here, reach out to me. I will take you on my personal tour. Maybe, or maybe not. I don't want to make that promise. But, like, reach out to us anyway. If I'm bored, I'll take you on my personal tour of Pike Place Market, um, which oh, includes the stop yeah. by Eleanor's yogurt. Yeah, yeah, so you did take me on that tour and it was fabulous, gotta say. Minus the fish part. I was like, mm, okay, I get it, but also no thank you for the smell. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to like catch fish either. And they've got this whole thing where if you like walk past this one fish, it like moves and the, I'm not about that life. No, I don't thank like, you. <laughs> I don't like thrillers. No, thank you. I don't watch scary movies. Okay. <laughs> I I don't pay to get scared and I don't pay to cry. Exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just want to watch comedy. Life motto. Don't pay to get scared and don't pay to cry. And that's why I have a cat because she is my spirit hunter. Right. Totally. She said, spirits, I will kill you. <laughs> uh, all right. So, but circling back. So what is the difference between Greek yogurt versus plain yogurt? And why has that been like growing recently? Yeah, no, good question, because I think that I, before I started really diving into the yogurt sector, um, would say that I had no idea. Um, What distinguishes a Greek, quote unquote, yogurt from a plain yogurt is how much protein's in there, right? And how thick it is. So there are different types of yogurt, absolutely. But a lot of times when we talk about a Greek yogurt, it's basically kind of like a plain yogurt that the 
extra moisture has been strained out. So if you've ever taken a ricotta cheese from the container and you see like it's kind of thick, but if you put it in a cheesecloth, it'll get even thicker. Um, that's essentially what happens with Greek yogurt. Like you take your initial gel structure that you made and you sit there and you put it in a cheesecloth and you strain out any of the extra moisture. What that does is it further concentrates the amount of solids in your product, right? Because if you have, um, a bunch of water in your product and you take the water out, then what's left, right? So that's kind of what happens in a strained Greek yogurt product. So for me, that would be like the Danins and the Faye's of the world. There's also things called like Greek yogurt that are high protein that you can also make at home. So those would be like, of course you can strain your own yogurt at home, but like they're a little bit more labor intensive, but you can also make like a high protein yogurt at home, which to me means I put extra non-fat dry milk in my yogurt, which contains a high amount of protein. And with that, you get extra protein in your yogurt, you get extra solids, and it's thicker because you have more solids per volume. So like in the total of the make process, you have a lot more stuff in there. So then it's thicker. What is dry milk or dry? You said dry something, dry yogurt, dry yeah. milk? Yeah, 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 yeah. So non-fat dry milk. So that's basically like... You know how in our brownie recipe, we kind of talked about like what's cocoa powder. And I said, oh, all the the fat's basically gone. The fat and moisture is gone. And then you have cocoa powder left. So same thing with non-fat dry milk. They take the fat out. They take the water out. And then that's what's left over. So you got some lactose, which is great for feeding those cultures. Then you have obviously your proteins and then a tiny, tiny bit of fat that's kind of left over there and vitamins and minerals and things like that. So is that something you would generally, like, when you make yogurt at home, do you buy it at the grocery store? Or is- yeah, good question. Um, You can buy non-fat dry milk at the grocery store. And actually, it's a typical ingredient that people use in, in bread making, too. So that's kind of cool. I didn't know that until I started making bread during the Great Quar. And um, quarantine 19 slash 2020 slash 2021. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows how long. According to my other podcast, which I freaking love, Cheddar, they're thinking like 2022, but you know, whatever. Need to know by Cheddar. I'm going to plug them because I'm like totally into that news podcast brief. Oh my God, Carlo is hilarious. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. But yeah, so like Greek yogurt is a much higher solids yogurt. So there's a lot of more stuff in there per spoonful. One thing I do got to say about non-fat dry milk, though, is that there is a processing step that will cause some weird flavors sometimes. So make sure it's clean, make sure it's new. And if you add too much of it, you might get some of what I call a Barney flavor that you will know what I mean if you get there. So I know uh, some people, when they're looking at going on diets and things, instead of grabbing the ice cream container or the frozen yogurt uh, container, they'll go for kind of like a creamier based yogurt. So I'm thinking about like the Nusa's of the world. Um, I personally love the Nusa yogurts. I know they're not the best 
for me, or I say, I think they're not the best for me, but they taste really good. So can you tell me a little bit about like the differences between the yogurts that are marketed more so as like a dessert versus like a health food? I mean, in my reading, I mean, it can't hurt to have some live and active cultures in your diet. But the one thing about some of these high fat yogurts that you touched on is that they do have a high amount of sugar in them. So if you're looking for an indulgent experience, absolutely. Those are good for you because of the fact that the fat is lower in a yogurt. So um, with some of the nooses of the world, you're looking at like a 9% maybe fat or 5% fat and things like that. Whereas an ice cream, you're looking at much higher percentages of fat. So, um, and then for me, I'm like, well, do I want the extra fat or is it that I want something sweet? So if you're looking for something sweet, I would say they're both very sweet. Um, But a really good way to judge what you're looking for in an indulgent experience is number one, taste. So if you absolutely love the taste, that's great. But there's the carbohydrate. And now on the nutrition facts panel, they have what's called the added sugar. So a while back, they didn't have added sugar. But now you can look and say, okay, so this is how much added sugar is in my yogurt versus something that's coming from like a fruit juice, which a lot of times with yogurt, you'll get straight up fruit juice added as opposed to some of these like added sugars like sucrose and corn syrup and things, which not necessarily are a bad thing for if you're looking for an indulgent experience. It's just a completely different thing that you you can look for when you personally are reviewing what you want on a nutrition fact panel. I love Nusa. I'm a big fan of their caramel yogurt. Absolutely. But it's definitely an indulgent experience because there is sugar in there galore. So uh, what you're what I'm hearing you say is like it's okay to indulge with yogurt, but it may not necessarily be, quote unquote, better than ice cream. It all depends on right. Everything's in like moderation. So yeah, so watch your watch your nutrition panel, right? Because like obviously indulge in like your fatted plain yogurt, absolutely. Add as much like fresh berries to that as you want because then you're getting the added like vitamins and stuff. But if it's just like added sugar, you can do that at home, right? So it's <laughs> it's a matter of like what are you looking for and just make sure that you're like watching your nutrition's fact panel for like what is good but if you like the flavor of it like for me i feel like noosa has like a different nuance of flavor it has like a cheesy flavor that other yogurts don't really have and yeah 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 so you see what i mean like so for me i'm like ooh, it's kind of cheesecakey so like it's much better than me eating an actual cheesecake of course yeah because (laughs) it's nine percent fat versus like an entire bar of cream cheese in my mouth like obviously yeah, no, I can totally specifically. So I'm, I'm, I'm semi jealous of you moving back to Florida because you have access to Publix cheesecake, and we don't have Publix out here. And like, I miss Publix. I miss Publix so much. I miss their cheesecake. I miss their cupcakes. I miss their icing. I miss everything. <laughs> their subs. Let's be honest. You know I love a good Pub sandwich. Subs. 
Yes. I oh, love oh my God. a sandwich. <laughs> but I don't know. Okay. We're we're not doing a sandwich episode because if we right, did, I right. have a lot to say about sandwiches. But like <laughs> either way, here we are. Circle back. Okay, so yogurt, yes. Just watch your um nutrition facts panel. Like if you have any questions about nutrition facts panel or like how to read it or what you're looking for, like we can absolutely talk to you about that a little bit more. Um if you have any questions about how to make yogurt in your instant pot, um, I would be happy to answer those for you. Or if you're just looking at other ways to make yogurt yourself, um, Emily and I would be happy to work with you on that too. So just let us know, send us an email, send us a contact us. Emily's yeah, real- on our website. Are yeah, you em- there.com. Yeah. Uh, Emily's I'm, really I'm the technical person obviously we're really happy that you listen and thanks for making it through the episode and thanks bye thanks bye